This is Dialogue on Teaching. I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center, and Paul Myrie is in the Sound Engineers booth. It is my joy and my pleasure to welcome our guest, Dr. Kwok Poulan. Poulan is the Dean's Professor of Systematic Theology at Candler School of Theology, Emory University. Welcome, Poulan, to the conversation. Thank you very much for your invitation. You're very welcome. Let's get started straight away. Let's talk about um, the changes, if any, in your teaching during this time of COVID. Have you, how are you thinking about your teaching right now? Yeah, I am excited about thinking about teaching during the crisis. Why? Because in early March, I went to London for a conference. So I returned and then I was supposed to enjoy my spring break. Lo and behold, the spring break was extended, and afterwards, I would not be seeing my students from uh, mid-March to the end of semester. So at first, I was a little bit concerned how I would be able to do it. But slowly and slowly, when I got over that initial shock, I think I am beginning to enjoy my teaching even more. So, so what's enjoyable about it? Because some people are having um, the, the, a different reaction. Everybody went slow, it felt like. And the fact that you are now starting to enjoy it is a story we want to know more about because some people are still frustrated. So what is relieving your frustration? What is it about online teaching that you're resonating with? Yes, first of all, I have taught online classes for several years. And I guess some of my colleagues, especially in divinity schools, and seminaries who have also uh, done some uh, remote teaching will not find this so awkward or ill-prepared. What was sudden was that we were not told that beginning with um, the middle of the semester, everyone would have to go to remote learning. So once that initial shock went a little bit down, that I was able to ask, what did I learn? when I was teaching in my former school, that I also tried online teaching. What were the tools in my uh, toolkit that I uh, can uh, bring out this time? One of the things that I have learned is to be patient because the students are going to join you from different areas, sometimes uh, not even in Atlanta where the school is located. So I know that some of the students are going to have hard time even to join the Zoom meeting that we are using as the platform. So first, I have to know that where the students are and to be patient. Indeed, one student kept having difficulties because of where she is located. So I have to prepare for that kind of situation. And then next, then I begin to ask, what can I do? I was just so grateful that I have many friends on Facebook who shared advices. One of the advice that was so helpful was that I shouldn't be transitioning and face-to-face -face class onto the remote teaching platform. And that was most helpful. Say it again, that you should not be doing that? That is, I cannot just change what I have planned to do face-in-face. That's right. Just to That's change right. to a remote right. learning That's model. Right. That's right. That was body the golden teaching, advice. 
That's right. Embodied teaching is, cannot just be shifted to online teaching in the same way. So what kind of things did you do differently? I, you have great concern for your students. Um, and then and talking to, uh, making sure the one, the one student who was not able to connect, connected. What kind of things did you do with your lessons to say platform matters, context matters, being online is not the same as being face-to-face -face in a classroom? Yes, I began exploring with what are some, something new that I have not tried, that I can even try this time. So I was also listening to some of uh, the Wabish uh, webinars <laughs> and I learned from the other experts and very uh, committed teacher. So uh, one time we were discussing the metaphors for teachers or for teaching. And someone was talking about uh, the teacher as facilitator. So we facilitated the conversation more in the Zoom context. And others were talking about there are so many videos, so many resources available to help us in remote teaching. The metaphor was the curator. And then I um, also play with the idea, the teacher as a producer. Why producer? Because you are running a show for two hours or one and a half hours each week. You have to make it interesting. And so that the students will not then do something else. As you know that in remote learning, they can uh, go to look at their email or check the internet. At the same time as showing their face, attentively listening to you. Okay, so as a producer, I have tried something like this. I produce short interviews each week so that the students can watch those videos. And I am just so fortunate to know so many people in our professional guilds. Can you believe it? With the short span of several weeks, I interviewed four experienced and renowned scholars. Some of them I have assigned readings, their readings for the class. So I call up Rita Nagashima Brock. I said, Rita, I need your help uh, because we are going to read your article. Can I interview you? So, and then another one uh, is uh, John Tatamaliu, who uh, is just publishing a new book, Circling the Elephant, and in which he talks about a new way of doing comparative theology. So I, again, approached him, I said, John, I need your help. Can I just interview you? So I had so much fun thinking, okay, how to make my class interesting, both before we meet face to face, and also when, when we actually then uh, go, uh, join together in our Zoom discussion. So it has been so much fun. I enjoy doing it, and then now, with my face-to-face -face class, I don't know whether I can keep up that momentum. A producer, <laughs> yeah, go back. So yes. I, I, love, I love the idea that you're talking about uh, having fun and playing with the ideas, right? Instead of just locking down, having one idea or having the idea about how to um, shift your teaching, how to shift your relationship with your students, how to make things interesting in your classroom. The notion of teacher is somebody who plays with these metaphors, plays with the ideas. So you played with the idea of facilitator, you played with the idea of producer, and then started approaching even your colleagues to enrich your classroom conversations in new ways that it sounds like you didn't do in a face-to-face -face classroom. Yes, sometimes I also invited guest speakers, but not uh, in this way that I was trying something new. 
And uh, also, I was thinking about what I can learn from the experience too. It is not how can I make sure the students will get what I intended to do for the class, but I as a teacher will keep growing because this is a new challenge and how for the rest of the semester, I will learn to be a teacher as much as they are learning whatever subject matter that I am teaching. All very generative questions, right? So we, we know that the, if, the, if the teacher is bogged down, if the spirit of the teacher is bogged down and knotted up and feeling like I am not doing this, that that translates into the classroom even if it is a quote, good lesson. If the teacher is lighthearted, playful, saying what can I learn while we do this new adventure, that also translates to the students and into the fabric of the classroom. Exactly, so I have to be honest too. That is, I have to let the students know that I am doing this for the first time. That is, in the past, when I was doing an online class, I planned ahead. I would already have um, prepared the syllabus in such a way that it will be conducive to online learning. But this time, I didn't plan ahead, okay? I came back from London and then thought of uh, pick up where I left, and then it didn't pan out that way. So I have to be honest to tell them I am experimenting and so far they are liking it. And I also want to share a few things that I hoped to do or I think I can do in a remote learning environment. That is how to build community. When I first uh, then I tried to do online teaching, I was not persuaded because as someone who think ministerial or spiritual formation is as important as getting knowledge. I find that this online teaching very remote, right? It is called remote learning. And so I was not persuaded. But slowly and slowly, uh, teaching online classes for a few years, I began to see what I have not seen. That is the intentionality of the students matter. Because for online courses or degrees with a substantial uh, number of credits uh, would be taught online, that you recruit students who are prepared or who are willing to do that. That is when they log in to the classroom and then they would be very prepared that this is the free or whatever two hours block that that week they will be devoted to this class on Christology, on or on God and creation. So then it is very important to make sure that the students are on board. Now the students did not sign up to do remote learning this time, isn't it? They were supposed to be with me face to face. And that is why how to generate that interest to sustain their interest that matters. Knowing that we are competing with many of their time and energies uh, devoted to many other things. Some of them, at least one or two students in my class, they are homeschooling their kids. And we have people who cannot uh, get to work and they are also thinking about how to survive financially. For example, I have a student who works in restaurant and certainly uh, without income since uh, mid-March. So I think that we have to remember we are teaching in extraordinary time. 
that students are caught by surprise, just as we are. And then how to be mindful that you teach to this particular group of people who are thinking about one million things and not just your little horse, okay? And how to make the time worthwhile. I always think that when it's face-to-face -face or remote teaching, you cannot just waste people's time. You have to think about why you need to meet, whether face-to-face -face or online, to do what. So for me, I think building community would be the key to answering some of those concerns about remote learning. I agree, I agree. Um, talk a little bit about, since we're here, um, the notion of uh, moving a digital imagination to a, uh, moving to a digital imagination, moving from an imagination that only had to be embodied to a new platform, because that's what you're talking about. It would take a different kind of imagination to create courses that um, encourage digital curiosity, not just curiosity with as it, it floats in the ethers, right? But curiosity that has, that's in a digital world. Talk a little bit about that and, and maybe a project that might spring out of that. I want to share with you, I think it must be 15 years ago, I wrote a little essay. The little essay is called, What If God is 10100010 or whatever that number is? You understand what I mean? What a great question. Yes. Even and now, then, right? 15 years later, what a great yes, question. Yes, because I was praying with this digital understanding. This, um, this is the digital way, right, of uh, recording. And, um, and not God as um, the Father or God as the Lord Almighty. Those metaphors are analogical images. But with this one zero something, it is the digital thing. And then I would say it's uh, omnipotence, um, something like um, a gigabytes, you know. At that mm -hmm. time, gigabytes is already big. big. But I was thinking uh, how um, with uh, Steve Jobs' uh, invention of all these new devices, uh, which change our daily living, how can we learn about God or religion in the old way, using those analogical images? And so slowly, I began to pay attention to how did I learn myself. Instead of reading books, well, whatever I need, I first go to YouTube to find a video, fixing the toilet, okay, or doing whatever. And um, so I think that we have changed our mode of learning. And uh, certainly we are facing the AI, uh, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, uh, these uh, analytics uh, governing all the, the way of marketing and consuming and also politics. But as theological educators or religious scholars, I think we have not paid sufficient attention both to the changing mode of thinking and also how we actually learn. I am talking about my generation learning by YouTube. I am sure the younger generation, they learn by Instagram or whatever, the devices that they are using. So I think it is important to combine religious scholarship with um, researchers of neuroscience and um, people who pay attention to how technology uh, change our world and also what is the world that we are living into.
And those are some of the questions I have a lot of interest in. Why? Because I have always been interested in creativity. I have read many books about why people are so creative, what happens to that creative mind, and how uh, to nurture that. So that is always my interest. And now I'm seeing we are living in a brand new world that more, not many people in our discipline uh, have paid sufficient attention to. It does feel like we're playing catch up, but I'm glad yes. we're finally starting to turn our attention into digital imagination. So we, we know we want to say, we have been saying um, that you can't do uh, online classrooms the same as face-to-face -face classrooms. Well, not only can't you do it, but suppose, this is the question you're asking, suppose you have to reconceive even what a classroom is and the relationship of student teacher and even what student formation is in a digital platform using digital imagination. You're talking about yes. shaking up the whole thing and coming up with a whole new approach to teaching. Yes. I like it. Just for example, all we can play with right now with this Zoom is the virtual background, right? I teach the students how to change their background. And for example, because my class is on Christology, I ask them, what kind of images you want to put as your background? Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. But it should not be limited to that, that small thing. We should be exploring, okay, now with our little um, uh, mobile de device, we can capture video, we can interview people, and uh, we can do so many things more than just changing the background. Or just putting up PowerPoints or recording ourselves lecturing before class, right? So yes, those, yes, those are, right. That's still an, an analogical uh, mentality. So, yes. so jettison that analogical mentality and say, what is the digital mentality, the digital mindset that we need to yes. get out of? I am fascinated by those producing music. Have you seen those people singing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that is uh, 20 different people mm -hmm. all over the world playing the channel, mm -hmm. okay? The, the, the swarm, I think, the song. And then I so much enjoy the kind of creativity that has come out because of the crisis. Now then, teaching needs to be generative and creative. So I hope some of us are not just surviving in such a situation, but think of new ways, meeting the challenge of teaching into the future, engaging critical imagination in the digital era. Thank you, thank you. I've got one more question. Tell us about your new book. You have a new book out. So just give a yes. shout out about your new book. Thank you so much. I have just edited my new book that is called Asian and Asian American Women in Theology and Religion. And this is the third book coming out from the organization that I co-founded 35 years ago. The organization is called Pan Autumn, Pacific Asian North American Asian Women in Theology and Ministry. In this book, I really want to reflect on how did we begin? And then how are we doing today? And what would be our hope for the future? So I asked some of the elder, more mature sisters to talk about their own journey into theology and religion. And I also recruit several doctoral students to share with us what they are doing and their hope uh, to be future 
theological educators, and religious scholars. I have enjoyed so much listening to their journeys and witnessing the birth of this field of scholarship. This, the story of these women, uh, I'm so glad that you captured it. I'm so glad that you uh, are giving it to the world. It's a gift to the world and beyond the theological world, but a gift to the entire world to hear the stories of these very powerful and influential women. Thank you. Kwak yes. Pulan, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your wisdom, your insight, and your commitment to your students. It, it is remarkable. Um, your playfulness and creativity is palpable. I appreciate you. Thank you. And we're out. How was that, Paul? Cool.